0: You, uh, you made a decision some time ago to uh, give up this weekend and come up here. <coughs> I hope you're glad you did. I hope you're thankful that you made that call whenever you did several months ago or several weeks ago. I hope it's been profitable. Uh, <coughs> I hope you've uh, heard some things and incorporated some things that will alter the direction of your life. That your life might be all it could be. You know, a fellow told me once, it, it may never be late to become all that you might have been. And I, 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 I reflect on that. And I try to help people to become all that they might be. I... Uh, <coughs> uh, thought of this morning, uh, verse uh, the Gospel of John starts out, says, uh, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And get this, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And my prayer for myself and for those that I work with and and minister to is that their life might be so plugged into God that they are a light to other people. Their life is a light. John 10.10 is a verse that you all know that I am come that you might have life. The reason I came, Jesus says, is that you might experience life. I'm not talking about eternal life. I'm talking about day by day. That you might have life, and that you might have it abundantly. And the Greek word there really means superabundantly, overflowing. And Jesus says, that, 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 "That's why I came. I, uh, I would covet for you, making those decisions that had, that uh, results in such a relationship with God, that your light is just a, a just a light." And people look at you and says, I don't know what there is about you, but man, man. And you know, uh, one of the reasons that when, uh, back in my testimony, I, I told you about this catcher on the baseball team, this 17-year-old kid like me, you know the reason that I went back to church with him the next night? It wasn't because he invited me. It was, it was because of who he was. Man, I thought this is, uh, I want to hang with this guy. And so my prayer and, and, and is for you that people would want to hang with you because there's just something about you. And that's why we got together this week. You've heard some good stuff. It's just getting better. But I hope you're incorporating it. hope you're taking it serious. That's um, uh, what I want to try to do. We talked the first uh, time about... How God has made you so special, planned every cell of you for a purpose. And that he, he wants to, uh, if any man wishes to come after me, let him deny himself. Don't, don't take what I've given you and go use it for the things of this world. You'll miss it. But if any man, uh, whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall save it. I hope you're saving your life. Hope you're you're taking heed to that and saying, Lord, I want to, I'm going to save my life by giving it to you. I'm going to put it on deposit. I'm going to the bank, and I'm putting it on deposit with you. And then the second time, we, we talked about uh, the fact that how do we relate to other people, and the only way we can do it, I don't care who he is, the enemy, someone who's hurt us, someone who's mean, or someone we care and love for, our family even. How do we relate to those people? And in a word, it's love. And I think to myself, God is love. We say that all the time. It's in the Bible. God is love. Are you? How do you represent him any other way? 2 Corinthians 5, 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. You're supposed to represent the one who sent you. God is love. Are you? Are you love? The third entity we want to talk about this morning is the question, you know, what do we do with God, and then what do we do with people, and what do we do with ourselves, what do we do with our life? And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I want to incorporate some of the fourth things, and that is how do you get there? But uh, we want to talk about, uh, and I've just got a one-page handout uh, that you received, but what do you do with your life? Now, Here we go, Remington. Oops. Got to turn it on. What do you do with your life? You work at that which you enjoy and you're good at. You know where you got that good at it and that joy? That's how you were made. That's how you got screwed together way, you know, in your mom's womb. That's how you got all put together. The pieces of the puzzle got put together. And you wind up coming out of there and things that you just really enjoy. And you're good at it. That's a good indication of what you ought to do with your life. Now, look at at this. You know, this is a long passage of Scripture. And this is out of the book of Exodus, you know, your favorite quiet time book. But it says, now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, he he just gave him the plans to build this elaborate temple. Wow. I mean, this thing had palm granites and it had this deal and this kind of furniture and the showbread. And it got all this stuff. And Moses is out in the desert. And so Moses says, you know, i got a problem here. How are we going to build this thing? And says, God says, don't take care of it. I got people that I have equipped to do that. So he says, I've called by name. Beziel, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for the work. I've done it. And behold, I myself have appointed with him a holy I, the son of somebody of the tribe of Dan in the hearts of all. I put skill in the hearts of all. I put skill in them. You know why I did that, God says? Because I want them to build me a temple and I want them to do it right. And God has given you abilities and skills to do the job that he's called you to do. Maybe an aircraft mechanic. I I paved highways for years, laying asphalt, trying to smooth out rough, beat-up potholed roads. I've paved airports so that when the plans come in, they hit that runway and it's just smooth. I did that for years. What's that got to do with God? Everything. That's what I was good at. I was good at it. We did good work. You know, I got written up in the paper in the, in the Longview. I paved the airport at, uh, at Long, in uh, Texark County, Texas, and they wrote an article about me in the paper. Isn't that something? You know why they wrote that article? Because we did a good job. I had good men. You know what we required of them? Leave your name on it. You do work, you leave your name on it. It's you. Mark it with who you are. That's you. Does that bring glory to God? You bet it does. I talked to Walt and Walt is my mentor. He's the guy that really helps me. And he said, Chuck, you need to learn to glorify God in the mundane because that's where you'll spend most of your life. You're washing dishes. That's mundane. Actually, my wife should be doing it. But, you know, when I mow my yard, I'm out there mowing the yard. You know who's my boss? It's the, it's the Lord. I'm not mowing up my yard for me. I'm mowing it for Him. And I have a ball. I'm just out there cutting that grass for Jesus. And everything that I do, I do it for Him. And whatsoever you do, what, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, and not as unto men. That's us. That's that light that's shining out there, and it even shines in the mundane. Uh, God has given you a skill and be the best. Do the best. Let me... uh, In everything that I've ever tried to do, I've tried to get better. I've tried to be the best. I was a lieutenant in the Marine Corps. I served in Vietnam. Do you know what the... Battalion commander wrote in my fitness report, and the reason I know it is because the S one officer, whose administration, he and I were good buddies, and uh, although he wasn't a believer, and uh, but he called me one time because he cl- he he took care of all the administrative deeds, and the commanding officer, the battalion commander, who was a lieutenant colonel, six months every six months had to write a fitness report and grade and evaluate his officers under him. Well, I was one of the officers under him. You know what he wrote about me in my fitness report? He's the best lieutenant in the battalion. I didn't set out to be that. I didn't set out to be the best lieutenant. in. The best. I set out to be the best lieutenant that, that God had in Vietnam. I tried to do my best. That's the way we ought to live. Uh, go to seminars. Read books. Study. Watch people. Get around people that are better than you. Become the best. You know, I, I just actually wonder about mediocrity. You know, I wonder if mediocrity is representative of who God is. I wonder if mediocrity glorifies God. I um. Let me tell you a story. I, I, I read a book. A guy named Jimmy Carter. Uh, was in the Navy. Went to went to Annapolis the Naval Academy, and graduated and was an instant. And he wanted to go into the nuclear navy. And the nuclear navy was just getting started in the United States at that time. The first ship we built what really was the USS Enterprise, what they call the Big E. The Big E. It was our first nuclear carrier. And when a ship left port, and I've, been aboard, I've served aboard ships, but when a ship left port, the first thing the captain of the ship wants to know is, where's my tanker? Where am I going to get refueled? I'm crossing a vast ocean, and I can't make it. I can't carry enough oil to burn to get me there. Where's my tanker? Do you know that the aircraft carrier Enterprise could sail around the world eight times without needing to be refueled? So Hyman Rickover, Admiral Hyman Rickover, began to promote the nuclear, we need a nuclear navy, and he was resisted. But he stuck with it, and he stuck with it, and finally, we begin to build nuclear ships. Carter, Jimmy Carter, graduated as Ensign Carter, wanted to be aboard a nuclear ship. Hyman Rickover interviewed every single officer that was going to serve aboard a nuclear ship. Every single officer that was going to be on that ship had to face him and to be interviewed by him. So Carter comes to Rickover, and he asked him a lot of questions about how he did at the academy and his grades, and his performance, and other activities, he questioned him thoroughly. And then he asked him this question, and this is why I want to tell you the story. He asked Carter, the interview was basically over, and he was just asking him a few questions. He asked him, he said, uh, did you always do your best at the academy? And Carter said, uh, no, sir, I didn't always do my best and Rick over said why not and Carter knew that the interview was over and that he had no answer to that and he said that the article says he just silently did an about-face and walked out of the room later on Ensign Carter he was assigned uh, Rick over put him aboard a nuclear sub. He served in the nuclear navy. He got out of the navy, went back to Georgia. He was a peanut farmer. His dad, his folks owned a big peanut farm. But he got into politics. Eventually was elected governor of Georgia. Ran for president and was elected president of the United States. He wrote a book so that people would think would know this is how I think. This is who I am. This is where I came from. So he wrote a, a little autobiography as he was running for president so that people might know who he is. You know what he titled the book? Why Not the Best? I read that book. But that's what, that's what we should ask ourselves. Why not the best? You know, today is the 20th of March, 2015. You'll never get another one. When 20, when 20 March 2015, the sun sets today, it's gone. What'd you do with it? What'd you do with it? I'm talking about men who are light of the world, men and women who are living a life that is so attractive that others want to know about you. So, how do you improve yourself? How do you get better? And I just got a few thoughts, because I I work with men, and this is what we do. I mean, this is not theory to me. This is what we do. This is what the gang, the men that I work with, and and the Bible studies that I lead, and the churches that I'm involved in, this is what we do. So you start where you are. You take what you got. you, You do what you can, but you do the best you can. And in any situation, I don't care where you are, you start where you are. You take what you got and do what you can but you do the best you can. And that is a philosophy of life. So I got a new job. I'm starting a new class. I just walked into Engineering 403. You start where you are, you take what you got, and you do what you can, but you do the best you can. That's, the philo- that's just the way we live. Improve yourself. One of the ways you do it is you plan your work. Proverbs 21 5. It says the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage. Why wouldn't you want that? Now there's two parts there. And I wrote down in the margin of my Bible. I don't have it up here with my Bible, but my, and I wrote down in the margin of my Bible that making a plan without diligence is just dreaming. If you make a plan but you're not diligent about it, you're just dreaming. But if you're diligent without a plan, it's chaos. You're just running madly about in all manner of activity with no plan to it. But the plans of the diligent put you in a very advantageous position. Why would you turn that down? Why would you not want that? Work by priority. Uh, I think that they handed out to you, and I hope that we have time to get to this, but my goals for 2015, underneath my spiritual goals and under my, my family goals and health goals and my business goals and my personal development goals, I have a list of things that I'm doing under those. Those are listed in, by order of priority. The number one thing is the first thing I'm working on under that category. I have those listed by priority. Now, am I going to get through with that list this year? I don't think so I mean I'm realistic and the guys that I work with and to whom I'm accountable I gave them all a copy of that I said here's my plan for 2015 would you help me get there and they said yeah I may have to kick you in the rear a couple of times but we're going to we're going to work at it we'll get you there and I appreciate that that is so valuable to me to meet with men every week who are trying to help me to be the best man I can man why would I not turn why would I not want to do that I meet every week, 6.30 on Wednesday morning, with a group of men who are helping me to become what I ought to be. Man, how valuable is that? And I'm helping them. But I've got my list there underneath each other. I've got list it listed in priority. The first thing I'm going to work on is number one. I may not get through the list, but the ones I got through were the most important. I live that way. Get better, grow, be the best. Let me tell you a story. Uh, I, to, I think I may have told you about Douglas Hyde and his dedication and leadership. Douglas Hyde wrote a book called Dedication Leadership. He was a communist, you know, after World War II that uh, wound up in England recruiting British people to be communists and join the Communist Party, and he was good at it. Finally, was, eventually was converted to Catholicism, left the Communist Party, became a follower of Christ. He wrote a book, and the seventh chapter of the book is called, You Must Be the Best. And the chapter is saying that if you if you expect people to listen to you and to what you value in life and your philosophy of life and what you believe about religion or anything else, if you expect them to even give you a second thought, you've got to demonstrate to them that you, by being the best, and I don't care if what your job is or, and what, you have got to be the best or they'll never listen to you. Why would I want to listen to a guy who's just mediocre? i got plenty of those. But I see a guy here who is fantastic. Man, he does good work every time. And then that guy talks to me about his God. He talks to me about his values. I think I'll probably listen to that. Hmm, he may have something there. Obviously, he's a good man. Obviously, he's got it together. And that's Douglas Hyde wrote that book. And that's how they recruited people is that they went out and sent people out who were the very best. And then as those people would ask them about government and politics and things like this, and they would share with them how wonderful the Communist Party is, they had a hearing. Because of the they of, how, 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 of their own skill and a skill that they knew, they could evaluate that, then he must know what he's talking about in this area that I don't know, which is politics and government. You earn a hearing by who you are. And don't think you're going to go into the workplace as a young Christian and people are going to listen to you because you're a Christian. That ain't going to happen. They may even scorn you. But they will not scorn you when your work is just excellent. Man, you do a fantastic job. Man, you're on time. You do good work. You're not a, a, a complainer. Your, your attitude's great. And oh, yeah, this Christian thing may be something to that. Let me tell you something. I uh, I was with the Navigators in at California Polytechnic San Luis Obispo. We had, a, we had a ministry there with the Navigators, and I was running that. And there was a guy named Barry Johnson who had the Campus Crusade ministry. Good fellow, Barry and Patty Johnson. Really liked Barry and Patty. We worked together. Good ministry. Barry asked me one time, he said, I want you to uh, hear uh, Campus Crusade came out with this U.S. wide evangelistic thrust called Here's Life America. That's what we're talking about. Here's Life America. And Barry came in and he says, uh, we and ha- our Crusade staff, we all got together and we decided that you should be the one to head up Here's Life America in this area. <laughs> I said, Barry, I got a ministry and it ain't Crusade. I'm, my plate's full. I got all I can do. I got men I meet with and teams and ministries that we're doing. and man, am I at conferences that we're going to. I, my plate's full. He said, well, we want you to pray about it because we have concluded. Our whole staff thought, who's the man to run? Here's Life America. And we thought, let's go get Chuck. That's not even with crusade. And so I went to my supervisor and I said, Dwight, I uh, got this opportunity. You know, I, to be honest, I sense that, that God is in this. And uh, you think you can loan me out for a few months? And so he said, I think you ought to go for it. So I went back and I, I took over that for about six months. First thing we did, was we went to Crusade headquarters down at Arrowhead Springs at that time, California, just outside of San Bernardino. And we went to a big. I had 400 pastors and a few key laymen at this, and they brought Charles Stanley, the pastor in, in, in First Baptist Atlanta, to come out and speak to all these pastors about the phenomenal opportunity, the evangelistic opportunity of reaching people through Here's Life America. And so here comes Stanley out there, this big name Baptist preacher. And he's going to inspire us and kind of charge us up and get us all hot and ready to go. And we're going to go out there and present. Here's Life America. And the, and the, and we needed it. We need, people needed to know about life, and we had this big plan to do it. So he had, so we had 400 pastors and a few key laymen. My pastor asked me. He said, "I want you to go down with me." I said, oh. "So I went with him," and I'm sitting in this meeting. And you know what Stanley did? He said, "Amen." 400 pastors, he said, before you go to bed tonight, I mean before you lay your head on that pillow tonight, you get before God, and you say, God, is there anything in my life that is hindering me to be used, from being used by you to impact our area for Christ, to being used by you through Here's Life America to bring many people to Christ? Is there anything in my life that is going to be a hindrance? And if it is, God, I, 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 want, I want you to know that if you reveal it to me, I'll, I'll deal with it. And he challenged us to go do that. I was in my little cabin. There was three bunk beds, six of us. So I got back to my cabin, brushed my teeth like you're supposed to do, got ready for bed, jumped up in the top bunk, got my Bible, my little yellow tablet. And this is what I prayed. I said, now, Lord, I'm a navigator, you know. I said, Lord, uh, I don't want to do this, you know, just because Stanley said it. But if there is anything in my life that is, that is hindering me from being used of you, I pray that you would reveal it to me. And I promise you up front, God, I promise you I'll deal with it. And you know what I was thinking? <laughs> Ain't nothing in my life. I mean, come on. I'm a good guy. I love Jesus. I read my Bible. I got a ministry. And I'm sitting in there, but I prayed that and I got my Bible open. And all of a sudden, you know, the Lord spoke to me and said, well, there is something. It is? And he said, yeah, where you're living. You're spending way, way too much time keeping up that place. And I had a little place outside of town of about an acre or so. And he said, you're spending way too much time on that. I, I want you to get rid of that. Oh, okay. I wrote that down. He said, there's something else. There he is. And you know, before I stopped, I had six things on my list. But you know, I got the shock of my life. You know what that was? Because I looked around the room and I was the only guy doing it. Everybody else was laughing and kidding and playing with each other and just making fun and had not taking that that request serious and just came back and had a good time and went to bed. And I got the shock of my life as I saw five pastors ignore. What they had just been asked to do. So that God could use them. Again, we can't be that way. That can't be us. We cannot ignore what God is asking us to do. You know, I went back and I did those six. I sold my place. And I moved into a place that, that, that was already, that didn't have all that responsibility. I don't know how much time that gave me. But I systematically, one by one by one, I went down through that list. And I, I did every one of them because I told God I would. We we have you can't ignore what God is asking you to be and do. You can't ignore what God shows you in your quiet time, and in a Bible study, in a man to man or a madam to madam session that you're having, and you and you hear something in church, and you you can't ignore that. I just um, I got a guy on my. Uh, and I equipped our, uh, ED, we call it ED7. It's our uh, accountability group. The guys I'm telling you about, he's a builder. His name is Randall Patterson. He told me one time, he said, I, I build a custom home. He said, my objective every time I build a home is that it might be perfect. Absolutely perfect. And he said, well, so I go out and I tell the guy that is, is excavating the lot. And I, he's shooting grades. And I said, I want that thing. Pr- I don't want it close. I want it perfect. And when we shoot those grades and the slope, the drainage, and the, 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 the house pad that we're going to pour the concrete, I want that perfect. And then he says, I tell the guy that forms up for concrete, I want it square. I want every, every joint 90 degrees. I want it I want the elevations perfect. I want the slope just right. And he said, I check that because I want that house perfect. And I know that if I don't start with it being perfect, I won't finish up with it perfect. And he said, the plumbers come in and lay the, 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 pre, uh, the pre-plumbing. I tell them, I don't want this thing to come up in the wall. I want it coming up in the center of the wall. And he said, that's how we build a house. Every house I build. He said, to my knowledge, I've never built a perfect house. There's always something. that's just not quite right. But my goal, that's the way I want to live. That's the business that I'm in. He's a Christian builder. you think God is honored by that? Do you, you think people are chasing him down to build their house? He's a believer. He's a follower of Christ. But in everything he does, he wants it to be just perfect. Because he's, a, he's an ambassador for Christ out there in the marketplace. We um, stop bad habits. There's a girl young high school girl, Lauren Sandy, president of the Navigators, was speaking at this conference, and this little high school girl, seventeen years old, I think, came up to him. She said, Mr. Sandy, I need some help. Uh she said, every time my mother and I start to have a conversation, it immediately uh, evolves into just an argument. And we just argue and fight all the time. What do you think I ought to do? And he said, I think you ought to quit. And she said, Well uh Are there some verses that, he said, you don't need any verses, you need to stop. Well, I was wondering if you could give me some counsel. I said, he said, yeah, my counsel is quit, stop that. you got to, you know, if you've got some habits and things in your life that are crippling you, get rid of them, stop that. Let me me read you something that I carry, am I tied to anything? No, no, I got, got it in here. This is my day timer. Okay, I'm. I'm in the stone age. I understand it. Okay. Everybody else has got their little iPads, and they're going clickety-clickety with their thumbs, and I got, I got pages. I don't really give a rip. <laughs> I'm very comfortable. I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm very comfortable. I got all my addresses in here. I got all my notes. I keep up with all my expenses. Every penny I spend, I write down. I, I'm okay. So take your little filly willy <laughs> iPad and go do your thing. So I cut this out. You know, I cut this out of a little uh, article. God sent me a prayer letter, and this was at the, and I cut this out, and I keep this with me. You know what it says? You don't learn to praise in a day, especially since you may have been complaining for years. New habits take time to develop, but you can begin today. And you can practice it tomorrow. And the next day, and you know one of these days, you're going to be one who praises instead of complains. I keep that with me. Because if i got a bad habit, I may not be able to get rid of that bad habit today, but I can start on it. I've got some things in my life I need to dump. And it may take a while. But I can practice it this morning. I may not be that way all day. I I, I, I just want to do it this morning. And then I'm going to try to be that way this afternoon. And then tomorrow morning when I get up, I'm going to remind myself, and I'm going to try to be that way tomorrow morning. And you know, one of these days, I'm going to be that man. I don't fuss and complain anymore. But I'm joyful, and I'm praising God. Stop. you got some bad habits. Get rid of them. Stop it. You don't need a verse. You don't need, even need to pray about it. You just need to stop. It's hurting you. It's hindering you. Be honest with yourself. One of the best verses in the Bible, James, I think it's uh, James 1.22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. For if any man be a doer of the word, I mean a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who beholds his, his face in a mirror and then goes his way and, and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. And the book of James says, don't be that. Don't be a guy who looks in the mirror and says, man, I need to work on this. And then you go away and forget about it. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers. Deceit. You know what this is? Because if you live that way, you're kidding yourself. You're, de- you're living a deceitful life. You're deceiving yourself. Don't live that way. Lead. Take responsibility. Uh, Here again, um, you husbands or you guys, uh, you've got a responsibility before God. That God will hold hold you accountable. And one of them is to lead. And you sit back there and let somebody else take it. And I have seen couples out the gazoo. That husband has basically surrendered the leadership to his wife. And she has to pick it up when she really didn't want it. But somebody's got to do it because Dumbo over there is not doing it. And it's not right. It is not healthy. It is not good. And so, in your cubicle or in your area of responsibility, be responsible. Take the leadership. You know, in the Marine Corps, when we were going through basic training, and I didn't know this because they didn't tell us, but they'd divide you up into squads of about five people. And then they would give you a, an obstacle. Here's a wall. And here's a rope, but there's a minefield here, and they'd give you, okay, now, get over the wall. All of you get over the wall. How are you going to do it? And we'd have to sit there and figure out how how we're going to take what we got and get over that dumb wall. How are we going to do that? There's a minefield there. If we step there, boom, we're all gone. What do we do? And you know why they did that? They would sit back and watch to see who would take the leadership. Who would take the leadership, she says, okay gang? We can do this. Let's do this. And they would sit there and watch who's the guy that's willing to take the lead. It wasn't to see who was smart, it was to see who would lead. In your cubicle, in your area, would you please take the lead? Would you be responsible Deal with issues as they arise, don't procrastinate. One of the worst, that's, that's a, something I have struggled with. You know, I'll, I'll get a, a letter. Or I'll get back home, and I'll have my, my notes that I've hit. And i said, say, what am I going to do with these notes? And i think, well, I'm going to file And I'll lay them down on my desk. Because I'm going to file them. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh-uh, uh-uh. File it. Don't lay it down on the desk and I'm going file it and my Leroy who trained me basically had three he had a little quickie saying that he used often he said, do it now. you got something to do do it now. you know I need to call Johnny do it now. I need to write my folks I have to do it now do it instead of say, well I need to or want you know I've heard people say, you know one of these days I need to and I told a guy one time, I said, listen, there's seven days in the week, and one of these days is not one of them. <laughs> Do it. Here's, here's my favorite. Have fun. <laughs> I love this. You know, part, part of the abundant life, <laughs> man, my wife and I have so much, much fun. It's almost illegal. We have so much fun. I've been reading this book by Tom Nelson. It's called A Life Well Lived. What a great title. A Life Well Lived. Wow. So I'm reading this book, and on page, let me read you something. Now, Tommy Nelson is a pastor. He's the best Bible teacher I have ever heard, and I've heard a lot of them. But nobody can teach the Bible like Tommy Nelson. He he was a quarterback on the football team when he came to Christ. Just a, a, and I know his wife, Teresa, I know his family. I've been to Israel with him. I've been aboard boats with him. We took a, we took a deal one time called the Journeys of St. Paul. Wow. Wow. And I was on aboard a little cruise ship. We had sails. I mean, we had, we had a, this is a sailing ship. There's about a hundred of us aboard. And uh, Tommy Nelson was there with his wife, Teresa. Tony Evans was there with his wife. I mean, we had a few pretty good Bible teachers. You know how it is. And we're on this boat and we're having a ball. We're just having a ball. Uh, but uh, Tony Evans, I mean, uh, Tommy Nelson is one of the best Bible teachers I have ever been, uh, been under. And he says this John Piper wrote a great book called Desiring God Meditations of a Christian Hedonist. Hedon, <laughs> hedonist? Wait a minute. Did you say Christian Hedonist? He said the title may make, may make you nervous, but I just love it. I love it because, get this, there is a blessedness in seeking pleasure the way God intended. How much fun can we Christians have the way God intended it? We are to enjoy. Everyone's going to die. As you read this book, the clock is ticking. The 24-hour virus is waiting on you. You're going to get sick. There are germs on your teeth that are going to cause cavities. One day you'll have to have a root canal. Ah! All of these things are bad, and they're all coming. So today, while everything's okay, go get yourself a double dip of Rocky Road. (laughs) Put it in a waffle cone. Take some friends with you. Lick your ice cream slowly, and just enjoy being together. Isn't that great advice? Call an old friend you haven't spoken to in six months and get caught up. Read a movie you wanted to see and curl up on the sofa with some hot popcorn. I love this guy. I love his philosophy. You know, Tommy Nelson, this is him. This is how he lives. Don't be ang- Jesus says, don't be anxious for tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Enjoy today. Trust God and have some fun. We know that eventually that virus is going to come. That root canal is going to happen. And one night you're going to receive a phone call that your dad died and you'll be sad. but today but today go get your double dip of rocky road I like that I don't know what my my life holds someday a doctor may look up from his chart and tell me that there's something there that shouldn't be there and I'll get cut burned and poisoned with cancer treatment and I'll be miserable but today I'm doing okay so I'm going, to get, I'm going to, to get together with some good old buddies and enjoy some good conversation. On Wednesday night, I got a date. Maybe I'll take my wife to get some Italian food, maybe some chicken parmesan. I'll talk to my lovely wife, eat that good food, and afterwards, I'll probably get a little cheesecake and a cup of coffee. It'll be wonderful. Maybe it'll be a little Johnny Mathis playing in the background. I know the day is coming when they'll find something in me that shouldn't be there or some craw- car will cross the double yellow line and hit me head on or I'll just my old body will just wear out i know that's coming but get this i refuse to let what i cannot control destroy what i can enjoy that is a phenomenal philosophy of life I got some bad things down the road. They may be coming. That's right. But today, I'm going to enjoy my wife, my life, my ministry, my friends, and I'm going to enjoy them, gang. That's part of the. But I hope people. I hope when people see you, they think, "Man, that guy loves life. That guy is having a ball." I want to be. I want to be what he is. <clears throat> One other thing I wanted to talk about is work to make more money than you need. Uh, Why would you say that sounds awfully worldly to me, Chuck? Make more money than you need. How much should you make? And within Christian principles, as much as you can. Why? Jesus says, in everything I have showed you, how that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus how that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. You got anything to give? How do you get stuff to give? You make more than you need. I think it is a biblical principle to make more than you need so that you'll have something to give to help the poor, to help people. He who steals must steal no longer get this, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good. Why? so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. I have a philosophy. I got out of a book called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And here's this philosophy. The best way to help the poor is not to be one. The best way to help the poor is not to be one. Why? You work hard. You work diligently. You're smart. You improve yourself. You get better. You get promoted. You make more than you need. What do you do with it? You make it available. That's what you do with your life. Now before we get into the, the next little, do we have any time at all? Five minutes? Do we have any time? I got a little time. Um, let me just go through the triangle. Do you see the triangle on page one there? How do you get there? Uh, in, the first tar- in the first part of that triangle I wrote the, write, write the word axe. and I drew this out I, I, I developed this doing a Bible study with some people one day and I tried to illustrate a point and so I, I drew up this little triangle but in the top write the word axe. and that's a, and what I tried to do was to draw an iceberg and that's why that little wavy line along there that's the wave that's the water and the only thing you can see of an iceberg is what's above the water but the vast majority of the iceberg is below the water the vast majority. But all, all that people can see of you is what you do, what you say, the way you react. That's all they can see. But the, the real you, they can't see it. So where, does your, where do your acts come from? Why do you act that way? Why do you react that way? And the Bible comes, says, tells us it comes from the way we think. Proverbs 23, 7, I think it is, says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It comes from the way you think. Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world. You know the verse, but be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. Change who you are by what? Yeah, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. Well, where does your thinking come from? Why do I think that way? And the third little slot there is it comes from your value systems. You always decide in the direction of what you value. You always decide in the direction of what you consider gain or what you consider hope. You always decide in it. let me give you an illustration. We talked about this earlier about taking organic chemistry. Ugh. Oh, pain. You got a major quiz the next morning, eight o'clock. You're in your room and you're studying. You're over in the little corner of your room, your desk. you got the light on, you got all your formulas out there in the boat. Bu- I mean, you're working on this feverishly. About 9 o'clock at night, your buddies come by and they knock on the door and they said, hey, we're going to take a study break. We're going to run down and grab a piece of the Coke, refresh us, kind of recharge our batteries, be back in 45 minutes. Let's go. Now, let me back up. Let me back up. Forgot a part. I read an article one time in uh, a number of years ago in Life Magazine. I'm not, it was in Time Magazine. And it was a study that had been done, I think, by the Harvard Business School. And they, they did a study entitled, How Does the Mind and the Will in, Interplay? How do they affect each other? Your mind and your will. How do they impact each other? And the article went on to say that what your mind does is it gathers data. It sees things, hears things uh Caesar, and it and it, it, it accumulates data assimilates it and comes up with a suggestion why don't you sign up for the conference why don't you do this why don't you do and the mind just bombards the will with all these suggestions from the things that it's observed and, and assimilated and it comes to the will and says why don't you do this how about this let's go to a movie tonight let's go do this. and you get all these suggestions Now, the article went on to say that the sole criteria of whether you say yea or nay to any of these suggestions, the sole criteria is the question, is it pleasurable? And so when the mind brings to your will a suggestion, you immediately respond by saying, hmm, is that pleasurable? And it goes goes on to say that you will always decide in the direction of what you consider pleasure. Always, you never fail. You may not even know, be aware of you're going through this process. You never did not, you never miss that. So the question is, what's pleasurable? So back to my room, back to my little organic chemistry story. They come by and knock on your room, and you say, "What's more pleasurable? Go having pizza with my buds, or hanging out here in this dark room studying this wretched organic? What's more pleasurable?" And you think, well, going off on my butt sounds like a lot of fun. But if you need that course and you need that grade and you think to yourself, I'm going to walk into that classroom tomorrow a little bit sleepy, not quite as prepared as I should be and suspect as to whether I really know this material. You know what you'll say? You guys go ahead. I, I, I need to sit here and study. You know why you made that decision? Because in your value system, that was the most pleasurable thing for you. I'm going to sit here and study organic because I need that, I want that, I value that. And I'll turn that down. And gang, every decision you make tracks that same path. Every decision you make. Which brings into question, what do you value? What is valuable to you? Is is being a man of God valuable to you? Is knowing His Word valuable to you? Is maintaining a pure life valuable to you? Is keeping your health valuable to you? Do you know why that you'll get up at 5 o'clock? If some of the ladies did this morning. They got up and they went running around the lake. And I'm over in my bedroom, in my, my big fat bod, laying in that big sack. You know, why that, you know why that happens? Because there's something that they value more than I do. They value their health or their appearance, or there's something that they value that caused them to get out of that bed at 5 o'clock and run around that lake. You show up at your Bible study, and you're supposed to have two verses of Scripture memorized, and you kind of stumble, bumble, fumble through them, and you, oh, uh, you see, now the verse, first one is, uh, just a minute, let's uh, uh, you know, see, is it First John or John? Oh, okay, First John. Uh how does it start? And you, and you stumble, bumble, fumble through those things. And another, the next person says, got the verse down, quotes the reference, quotes the topic, quotes the verse itself, and then a reference afterwards, got it. And do you know why that person does it that you can't? One reason is it's more valuable to her to know the Word of God than it is you. You say, no, 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 I, I love the Word of God. Sure you do. You just love 75 other things more than that. You said, well, I, 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 I just need discipline. No, you don't. You need to change what you value. You need to change what you're going after. You need to change what's important to you. So I thought to myself, what's the definition of discipline? And I think discipline is doing what you don't want to do. You know what Tom Landry said his, his job as a coach was at the Dallas Cowboys? You know what he said his job was? My job as a coach is to get people to do what they don't want to do so that they can become who they want to be. So I make them sweat and work on technique and block and practice and hours and sweat and work in the burning sun because they want to be an all-pro. They just won't do it on their own. So my job is to make them do what they don't want to do so that they can become who they want to be. That was his job as a coach. And, gang, that may be your job in your Bible study, is helping those people to get to the point where they gradually change what they value and who they really want to be. And you help them get there. Well, the last, so where do you get your values? That last little square down there is what you consider truth, your truth system. Hopefully, it becomes the Bible. But it may be your culture. It may be your history. It may be how you were raised. But you always make, your truth system is that which you feel will will make you successful, that which you will feel will get you where you want to go. And that's your truth system. Hopefully, it becomes the Bible. Now, let me skip to the very end. I'm going to ask you one question. You've been to this conference, heard a lot of good stuff, thought a lot of thoughts, prayed a lot of prayer. Med- you know, you're thinking, you're considering a bunch of stuff out there. So let me ask you, you ask yourself the question, if I could memorize two verses a week, if you could, and you think to yourself, well, I read a, read a lot of verses in my quiet time, hear a, good, a lot of good verses during the week, and I know a lot of good verses I should, you know, but could I do that? Could I, yeah, I could write out the cards, and I, I, could, I could do that, yeah. The next question is should you if you could should you then you think well knowing the word of god will help me to become the person i really want to be i mean it's, it's going to maybe take a while to get there but that would be a start i mean if i'm memorizing two verses a day that would help kind of change the way i think which would help change my values which yeah i really should third question will you if you, if you could, if you could get up every morning 15 minutes early and spend time in God's Word, should you? If you could, you think, well, yeah, I can get up 15 minutes earlier. But should you? Well, probably be good to start the day off just kind of washing my mind with God's Word. Yeah. Will you? Will you? If you could. If you could lose 10 pounds before the summer, if you could, well, I'd probably watch what I eat and step up my exercise. Yeah, I could do that. But should you? Are you concerned as, uh, about your health or your appearance enough? I mean, that you, ought to, you ought to get serious about dropping 10 pounds before the summer. You think, yeah, I really should do that. Will you? And gang, that's life. And you come to a conference up here and you face... A lot of issues, a lot of opportunities, you know. And you ask yourself, could I, could I become more in my prayer? Could I love my spouse better? Could I be a better daughter, son to my parents? Could, could, could I do that? Well, yeah, probably. Should you? Yeah, my folks would probably love to hear from me more. Will you? And gang, that's what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to. Could you? Should you? But will you know the, the recipe for success? I'm going to give it to you in three words. Could. Should. Will. And do you know the recipe for disaster? i will give it to you in three words. I could. I should. But I don't. That's got disaster written all over it. Now, we've had a good weekend, haven't we? It's been great, hasn't it? A lot of good fellowship. A lot of good times together. A lot of good stuff that you've heard. What what are you going to do about it? I could, and you know I really should. And I will. Okay? Come see me in Dallas if you ever get back that way. Okay.